Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Fox Media Podcast Network. Hi, Mike Heck here for MAFighting.com, reacting to some big news. UFC CEO Dana White went to his social media on Monday and announced not one, not two but three big title fights to kick off 2024. UFC 297 is going to have two title fights. Not only is Raquel Pennington and Myra Buena Silva fighting for the vacant Bantamweight title, we just found out that Sean Strickland will have his first middleweight title defense, not against Hamzat Shemaev, but against Drickus 2 Plus C in Toronto on January 20th. UFC 298 will be headlined by a fascinating featherweight title fight between Alexander Volkanovsky and Ilya Teporia. And then UFC 299 will feature Sean O'Malley's first bantamweight title defense. He will take on Marlon Chido Vera. UFC 288, 298, excuse me, and UFC 299. Dates, locations yet to be announced. But we got some big ones coming up to kick off the 2024 calendar year. And I'm being joined right now by not one, but two deputy editors. Very happy here. We got Shaheen Alshadi and Stephen Morocco. Gentlemen, some big news here. Shaheen, I'll begin with you. Three big title fights. We have a main event for Toronto. It's not Raquel Pennington versus Myra Buena Silva, which I think a lot of fans mm-hmm. are pretty excited about. But it's also not Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira, something that was rumored. But here we go. DDP getting his title shot, Shaheen. Your thoughts on that fight and the other two main events Dana White announced on Monday. Yeah, I love how fitting all this is. And I know this this part of it isn't new, but I, I do love that our good friend, A.K. Lee, your best friend, uh, he gets to cover a Canada event with a women's bantamweight title fight. That is his dream. That is all he ever <laughs> wants to talk about is women's bantamweight. And he's, a, he's able to live out his dreams. So we're just making dreams happen here at MMA Fighting. Uh, no, man, I have, I have three big takeaways from from today's news. Because I will say, ultimately, I don't know that a lot of this was unexpected or surprising or really even new, right? Like two out of three of these, we sort of knew were going to happen. And then the third is what it is. First takeaway, I'm glad, even if it's only a month, I am glad that Alexander Volkanovsky is waiting a little bit longer to jump into jab back into the fray because it was so worrisome for all of us when he was talking about wanting to fight in January after the brutal head kick that he just suffered. That kind of concussion, that kind of knockout, you don't want to see that quick of a turnaround. February is still sooner than I would have preferred. And if I was on his team, I would have advised him to wait a bit, little bit longer. But as we heard from him, you know, he was a guy who wants to stay busy and bad things happen when he doesn't. So I'm glad we're getting a little bit there. Two, guys, it pays to call for what you want when you're a champion. Sean O'Malley just skipped probably having to fight Marab in a couple other hard matchups, whether it was a Corey Sandigan or whoever, because he called out Cheeto Vera. And it made sense, and he made this. He put the storyline out there 
and the UFC picked up the storyline that he was putting down. That is that is champion 101, what Sean O'Malley just did. He, he would, could have had a much, much harder fight against a much harder stylistic matchup, but he did his due diligence, and when the mic came to him, he called for one and he wanted it, and he ultimately got it. That should be a lesson to every champion out there. Set your own story, carve your own path, because sometimes, more often than not, the UFC, especially when you're in that position, will follow through with it. But ultimately, my third takeaway, and the biggest one of all of this, it was the title fight that we weren't sure we were going to get. Justice for Drickus Duplessis. We actually got it. I was so concerned. I was so deeply concerned that the UFC was going to pass over this man purely out of spite, purely out of some ridiculous sense that you did not take a short notice title fight when you were injured. This whole nonsense, everything we saw going on at 185. I'm so glad that did not come to pass. Some things are just undeniable. Some performances, some wins are just undeniable. And if you put together a list right now of the top most undeniable contenders in the UFC, Drickus Duplessis is number one because we have never seen anybody outside of Israel do that to Robert Whitaker. He went in there against all odds and did it. He has a fixed nose. There's a dangerous man. And I am so glad that he is getting this opportunity rather than a Hamzat Shemaev who just beat a couple welterweights, more or less. Steven, your reaction to these three title fights and even to getting Sean Strickland, Drickus Duplessis in Toronto, Canada, of all places. Yeah. Um, if I had like a headline for this trio, it'd be maybe they're listening to us, you know, um, <laughs> and because it seems like kind of to to what Sean was saying, that there's a similar there's a similar thread in a couple of these, which is that um they were thinking about going one way and everyone was like, I don't know. I don't know. And now it looks like they're doing this, the more sensible thing. And in Strickland's case, it's, it's putting him against the guy who earned the title shot by being Whitaker and DDP. Um, I also think there's a, a, a fascinating sort of matchup on the horizon there with uh, Jared Cannonier. And it it's just you know it gives us a chance to start the Sean Strickland era, you know, in a with a bang basically because we've got full oxygen DDP, you know, that's going to be charging against him, and then you know potentially we get to see that Cannonier rematch um, when he gets healthy. Um, then for Volk, it's uh, putting him on a little bit later, not as Sean said when he probably should be fighting, which is you know March, April, May, something like that. You don't know the human brain. Uh, its ability to recover from person to person. So, um, it, but it's considerably better than doing it in January. So there's that. And then O'Malley Vera too. I mean, this is like, this is something that it, nobody's really arguing about it. it. It makes sense from the current UFC's uh, business model, from the way that they run things. Um, there's definitely other ways it could have gone um, that would have been much more uh, in line with the meritocracy argument, but um, this is, you know, for for the bantamweight uh, division, if you've got a star, you got to strike while the hand is hot. And I think that's definitely O'Malley versus Vera too in terms of matchups. So I think uh, they did a good job. I, I don't really have a lot negative to say about it. Let me ask you, Shaheen, because there's stories attached to all of this, and you mentioned DDP justice for DDP, and had this fight not get booked, gotten booked for January. DDP's probably not getting a title shot. If they waited till April for Sean's first title defense, it's probably going to be Hamzat Shemaev and not Drikas Duplessis. So 
as I was saying after the Shamayev Usman fight, that availability is DDP's best friend right now. If that phone rings, even if if it's like we need a decision in 30 minutes, you got to take it. So DDP after the win over Whitaker gets his shot over Sean Strickland. Really interesting fight. Volkanovski Taporia, obviously very interesting, especially with Volk getting knocked out and Taporia looking like an absolute killer out there. And then we have the biggest fight you could book in the Spanaway division right now. Rematch everybody's been wanting since the first go around, both three, three and a half years in the making. We'll get Sean O'Malley versus Cheeto Vera, and we'll see if this reign of Sean O'Malley can take off into another stratosphere. So rank the three in terms of your intrigue levels, of, in terms of your oh. interest levels of these three title fights. Oh man! In terms of my interest levels, that's that's tough because I'm I'm interested in all three. I, I've already gotten some response on social media of people being like, "Oh, UFC's first first quarter of 2024 going to start out pretty slow," and I don't know that I quite understand that reaction. Like all three of these are pretty compelling. Um, I understand maybe there's not like a Connor fight in there or or Islam Charles or something like that, but like these are, I don't know. I'm I'm in I'm in on all of these more or less. If you ask me to rank them, I would say DDP Strickland, thousand percent is my number one. Just because I am so deeply invested at this point in whatever this middleweight division is right now and whatever its current and future form will be, because I love it. I love it, love it, love it. Every time a dominant dominant champion sort of gets beaten in this way and things start anew, and that scramble that that scramble to the top to figure out what this division now looks like is always so much fun to me that's one of my favorite parts of this sport is whatever that post-dominant champion era of these divisions as everybody starts to figure each other out is sean strickland a longtime champion is he someone who's going to be here a while or is this just a flash in the pan and we've just been waiting for ddp also something you and i have talked about extensively on various shows mike heck but the the potential now for this DDP Izzy fight to come to fruition with a dynamic that none of us ever saw coming, where DDP is the guy holding the belt and Izzy's coming in as the challenger, having all these questions on Izzy and DDP is the guy. That is so crazy compelling to me. I, I, I would love to see what that would look like, but we have a few more steps to get there. But that would put that number one for me, the middleweight title fight. Number two, I mean, I got to go Volk versus Taporia, if only because I've been on the Taporia train from day one. I have been spearheading for this guy. I've been championing for this guy. I think he was, I've, I've said from the beginning that he's a future champion in this division. I was probably going to pick him whenever he did get this fight. And now I'm definitely going to pick him, but I'm, I feel like I'm probably not alone, right? Like this is going to be a popular pick to pick Ilya Taporia to beat Alexander Volkanovsky with Volkanovsky coming off of a very brutal knockout, short turnaround. But also just the fact that Volk is the oldest champion in the history of the UFC under 100, at 50, uh, 155 or below. Like he is just that guy already. He, th- these younger, lighter weight divisions are not built for older men. And he has reached that point of older man status. And I'm just curious to see how long he can keep this going. Because there's a very real chance Alexander Volkanovsky might still be that guy at 145. But he also might not be too. And I'm just I, I, I crazy compelling in that respect as well for me. And then, I mean... O'Malley Vera too you could throw that last but I'm still in on that right like that is intriguing to me I think by the time it finally comes between all the build-up and both those guys being real fan favorites and Sean being this sort of budding superstar in this in this sport and again just people love Cheeto Cheeto's a really compelling figure he can sell anybody on anything if you get him on the phone for 20 minutes or on video for 20 minutes I think there's a very real chance that will be the biggest bantamweight title fight in history, in the history of the UFC, at least uh, by the time we get to March. 
So I'm curious to see how big that can get, what kind of promotion that gets, what, whether the UFC and, and ESPN sort of machine get behind Sean. Because we even saw it when he fought Aljo and they just released the pay-per-view finish pretty much like minutes after it happened. Like that is unprecedented in this era. And I'm curious to see if that's just the level to which they're going to get behind this guy and try to push him into the stratosphere and make him the next Connor. So I'm all in on it. I'm all in on all three of these. I love it. Steven, his list is 297 main event, 298 main event, 299 main event in terms of intrigue and interest. Is your list the same or is yours different? I mean, I can make an argument for both. Like I can, I can, I can see that argument uh, and, and I can agree with those points that Sean has made. Um, just to be a little bit you know, of a contrarian, I guess I would say that I would go with O'Malley versus Vera 2 as my number one because they have history. They have, they have defined history. And we didn't really... That was in a different time, obviously, in both of their careers. O'Malley is now proven to be, you know, uh, worthy of the hype that he's gotten. And now he's coming at it from a different perspective, being the champion and having to defend. It's easy to, you know, it's hard to become the champion, even harder to defend the champ, uh, the belt, especially in the in the best division in the, in, in the UFC. So we get to answer a couple questions. And Vera also, like... Vera has been great, but he's also been kind of uneven. Sometimes he obviously lost to Sanhagen. So um, I feel like there's some there's a, a variety of intriguing storylines there. And I th- also think that the buildup is going to be m- uh, more fun if I had to, <laughs> if I had to, to gamble on it, because both of those guys are great trash talkers, great on the mic. And I think it's just going to be a little bit more fun. Um, from a competitive standpoint, I think that Volk versus Tapuria is quite possibly the best. Um, I mean, I'll put it number two in terms of uh, on my list, but I just think it's the most competitive fight potentially because Tapuria is such a technical master, and Volk is the best featherweight. Other than, um, well, we shouldn't go into the pound for pound argument. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not retread that. He's a great featherweight. He's one of the best to ever do it, um, and like you know, Sean was talking about, there's a lot of question marks going into this. And if the best Volk shows up and the best Ilya Topuria shows up, that's going to be a phenomenal fight on the order, in my mind, of like a Mendez Aldo too. Like a fight where I was just like, there is so much technique happening here. This is such a slick yet exciting fight that you just can't take your eyes off of it. So that would be number two. And then Strickland versus DDP, entertaining because of the characters involved, but ultimately more of a, it feels like more of a car crash because, you know, of, of their respective styles. You know, DDP, um, I feel like is, I feel like that fight is not going to last very long. Something crazy is going to happen. The craziest thing is probably going to be the build up to the fight and the, wackadoodle things that sean strickland says um so that would probably be number three for me but again i I like all of these fights i think they did the right thing and the fact that people are saying you know no it's a it's a it's a a light schedule i i think is probably more an app the absence of somebody like mcgregor or um you know izzy then you know, the, all the ones that they that they announced today. Just real quick, I will say I am morbidly curious, and not even I didn't even think about it until you were just speaking about it, Stephen. But I am morbidly curious to see sort of the interplay and the dynamics between DDP and Sean Strickland. 
Because in a lot of ways, they feel like they might be friends without having met each other. Right? Like, it almost feels like the lead up to that fight <laughs> like is just going to be both of them. are not NPR just, listeners? <laughs> like, they're both going to just kind of be talking trash about Izzy to each other, it almost feels like. And I feel like they're almost like, they could. there's a potential for them to almost like bond over this mutual dislike of this man that doesn't matter to their equation right now. Like, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. And now I'm suddenly yeah. very interested to see what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, we we predicted that Sean Strickland's title reign was going to be like a uh, a car crash and now that begins. <laughs> and it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to him. It it's it was so wild to see Strickland get over as much as he did in Australia. I don't know if he's going to get the same treatment in Canada cuz immediately he tweets out Canada, why Canada? <laughs> no freedom of speech, no guns. GSP, did you do this? Um, so I don't know how how endearing he will be to the Canadians, but GSP, who knows? Maybe, did you maybe do they will this? like it. I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, it's so wild. Last thing on this, because well, hold on. Look, what about you? What, oh, what's please. your what's your ranking, Mike Hack? In interest level, what's your ranking? People want to know. People want to know. It's probably is Strickland DDP number one for me. I just. I, I just, there's so many questions about Sean Strickland that I still have. And if he goes out there and just waxes DDP in Toronto of all places, it's just going to be, it might be funnier than him beating Izzy, honestly, because it just wouldn't make any sense to me. And this world would not make any sense. He'd be the front runner for a back-to-back fighter of the year campaign. God, If he goes out imagine? and beats DDP, which is insane to think about. It's so insane. Volk Teporia had 294 not happen, probably would have been number one. I drop it to number three here because I am fascinated about it. But I want to see if Sean O'Malley can become the dude. Like, I really want to see if he can become the next guy at the head table. And if he beats Cheeto Vera, he's going to be that guy. What will that mean for the division? What will that mean for him? Will he get the opportunity to box and do all that crazy stuff? How big of a star can he become? It's he's got so much riding on this next fight because winning the belts is is one thing, but it's all about the follow up. How can you follow that up? Can you go in there and and get a win over probably the biggest rival you've had since you got into the sport, since you got into the UFC? And a lot of people feel stylistically Cheeto's just going to go out there and beat the hell out of Sean O'Malley. So I wonder how he handles that pressure. And if he wins, that is just just massive for him. And then Volk Tapori, I like, but. Honestly, to me, this is like 1A, 1B, 1C, more than 1, 2, 3. I am equally intrigued by all of these fights in different ways, and I'm very, very excited for them to take place to kick off the first quarter of 2024. And by the way, this whole, oh, the UFC starting off slow is probably the dumbest thing you could possibly make. Like, what what, what are we that. talking about here? We had but Jamal also- Hill versus Glover Teixeira on like two weeks notice in <laughs> a half-empty arena in Brazil to kick off 2023. You're telling me this isn't uh, an upgrade? What are we What are we doing here? Also, um, I want to see in 2024 what the ripple effects are of Fury and Ganu, if any. I want to see if there are ripple effects because oh, there will it be. Seems like there a door be. has been reopened. And it and, and perhaps oh, like really open for the first time because it's not Connor. It was it was Francis and Ganu, um, and I want to see how that changes the dynamics of the headliners, the, the the title runs, and their timelines. Because I think that something has changed here profoundly, and I want to know if it 
if it reaches the UFC this year. It's a great point. That is a very good point. And Sean O'Malley winning will probably answer some of those questions because we all know that Sean wants to go in there and box. And who the hell knows what happens with Bantamweight? I have a feeling perhaps we get an interim title fight out of this whole deal at Bantamweight if Sean does win because he maybe he goes after a boxing match. Maybe he waits around to see if somebody can get over, I guess, to be a like a like a B-side that Sean can live with in terms of selling a fight and selling a pay-per-view. But we'll see. Last thing on this, gentlemen. I'll start with you, Stephen, because you, you probably saw it on social media as well. You get these three announcements. What's the first question everybody's asking? Well, what's going to happen at UFC 300? So your guess now, after these fights are made, we're not going to have O'Malley at 300. Maybe we get DDP if Izzy comes back. I'm not really sure if he wins the title. Maybe Strickland, same thing. We're obviously probably not going to see Volkanovsky and or Taporia at UFC 300. So what does this mean to you? Did, did these announcements make you look to the future at UFC 300 any different kind of a way? Do you feel like you have an idea of what could be slotted in there? I thought you were going to ask me what my first questions were when they announced the, 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 the fights. And, and the first question that came up was when and where for the, for the last two. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as far as 300, um, certainly makes me think that, you know, Makachev versus, uh, uh, um, Oliveira will be possibly there. Uh, Conor McGregor is still in the ether. So, uh, I mean, I knew they were going to, uh, I think th- this booking only just further lends support to those things that they're going to try to stack that as much as possible with, um, the biggest stars that they have, obviously. So, um, I think they're lining it up. Uh, it, it looks to me that they're lining that up uh, after this, after today. What do you think, Shaheen? Steven thinks maybe we get McGregor Chandler along with Makachev Oliveira, maybe one or the other, maybe both. Who the hell knows at this point? But did you look at UFC 300 at all and think like, well, these fights are at 297, 298, 299. That means blank is probably going to happen at 300. I'm kind of split on it because I, I that, it, that certainly was one of the first thoughts that ran through my head. The, I feel like the easy answer and the easy assumption is is thinking that, well, this makes McGregor Chandler a lock for UFC 300. And I don't know if that's incorrect. Like that, that very well may end up happening. I do wonder, though, just knowing the UFC as I know them, McGregor Chandler is going to sell regardless. So I wonder if they're just going to put it's a great that point. Through, at that at 301 and then go for the little double dip there of getting like a mega pay-per-view at 300 because obviously the, the nice round number you can put a bunch of title fights on it and then just do mcgregor second because that that's the thing with the mcgregor card is if you have a mcgregor on a card and then you have a lot of champions on the card who get pay-per-view points that budget for that event exactly suddenly becomes much 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 higher which is why we have not seen connor fight on a really stacked card in a long time not since the one in new york so you know, that 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 leads me to believe that probably saving McGregor Chandler for 301, just because, again, I don't think the UFC is going to pony up all that money for, for whatever that champ, the, the champ salaries would be. But I think Islam Charles is probably a good good bet to be on that 300 card. We'll see, though. We'll see, though, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think the first quarter of next year looks really intriguing to me. And also, I just can't get out of this world in my head now where there's like a very real roadmap for Sean Strickland to beat in succession, in order. Israel Adesanya, Drigas Duplessis, Hamzat Shemaev, Israel again, 
And then all of a sudden we're looking at a Sean Strickland title reign that has like a bunch of insane names. And we're talking about like, is Sean Strickland a top three middleweight of all time? And this is like a real discussion. And MMA feels like it's going to, is crazy enough and stupid enough to get to that place. So I don't know, man, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm very interested in all of this. We will see when and where these fights happen. Some rumored cities that I have heard. Phoenix, Shaheen. I heard yes. Phoenix is in play yes, for the yes. first quarter of 2024. I heard, I've heard some others. Nothing is set yet. That's why Dana didn't announce it. If it's Phoenix for March, because that would make all the sense of the world for Sean O'Malley to have his first title defense in Phoenix. It's probably going to have to be like St. Paddy's Day weekend because as I looked earlier today, March 2nd, March 9th, Phoenix hosting some some big games, including the future NBA champ Boston Celtics on March 9th. Oh. So I don't know if we're going to be able to to, to bump uh, that game out of there, Shaheen. I don't know. I don't know about all this. I don't know about where we're <laughs> going with this. But I, there is, I will say there's a big Hispanic population also in Phoenix, and I think Cheeto would get over really well here. So that you, yeah. you're hitting a lot of you're hitting a lot of boats on that one. Absolutely. But once we find out, you will find out. So stay locked on MAFighting.com. Gentlemen, appreciate you guys jumping on for this emergency reacts. I have a feeling this will not be the last one we have, probably before 2024 comes to an 2023, excuse me, comes to an end heading into 2024. But 2023 is a chaotic year. 2024 off to a good start, it appears. So for Shaheen, for Steve Morocco, I am Mike Heck. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.